0: We're caught in a trap' go we uh we're watching Elvis again folks this movie is good uh it's definitely a movie you can uh hear us talk about all about <laughs> it over on and intro but <laughs> just can bring it here and say uh good movie and I think that on a second watch uh the thing that jumps to me is that the movie makes a pretty compelling case that. Tom Colonel Tom Parker is bad not because he took all of Elvis's money or exploited or manipulated him, but because he has lousy creative instincts.
1: Yeah, no, no one wants the Christmas special. Nobody wants the Christmas song. No one wants to
0: hear here, here to comes Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Uh, Elvis uh, is the w- was the ultimate. Let him cook. Yeah, let just, just let, let, him let him do, do what, what he, he does. does. <laughs> He's quirked up. He's a cooked up white boy. Anyway, this is with the sauce. Uh, anyway, this is Infinite Cast, your yes. weekly podcast, and we have more of this book to read. You?
1: Yes, we're not done.
0: We're not done. Shockingly, though, we edge ever closer.
1: Yeah, every day. Every day.
0: We're in the last bit quarter more. of the book, I believe. Yeah. Wow.
1: Will any will anything happen in this book? Who can say?
0: All right. Shall we just dive in? Let's do it. All right. Great
1: uh 11th november year of the dependent adult undergarment so i think we moved slightly back in time oh god um and this would be i think the day after or shortly after interdependence day okay i still need to figure out when interdependence day is whatever part of mario's footage for the documentary they're letting him do on this fall's eta uh, consists of Mario just walking around different parts of the academy with the Bolex H64 camera strapped to his head and joined by coax cable to the foot treadle, which he holds against his sweatered chest with one hand and operates with the other. At 2100 at night, it's cold out. The central courts are brightly lit, but only one court is being used. Gretchen Holt and Jolene Creus still winding up some sort of marathon challenge from the PM session. The hands around their grips, bluish and sweaty hair frozen into electrified spikes, pausing between points to blow noses on sleeves. Wearing so many layers of sweats, they look barrel-bodied out there. And Mario doesn't bother with the change in film speed he'd need to record them through the steamed window of Stitt's room, where he is. The room's noise is deafening. Coach Stitt's room is 106 next to his office on the first floor of Comad, past Dr. Rusk's office and down a two-corner hall from the lobby. It's a big empty room built for its stereo, hardwood floor in need of sanding, a wooden chair and a cane chair, an army cot, a little low table just big enough for Stitt's pipe rack, a folding card table (laughs) folded up and leaning against the wall. "'Acoustic dampening, damping tile on all the walls "'and nothing decorative hanging or mounted on the walls. "'Acoustic tiling on the ceiling also, "'with a bare overhead light with a long chain "'mounted in a dirty ceiling fan with a short chain. "'The fan never rotates, "'but sometimes emits a sound of faulty wiring. "'There's a faint odor of magic marker in the room.' There is nothing upholstered, no pillow on the cot, nothing soft to absorb or deflect the sound of the equipment stacked on the floor, the black Germanness of a top shelf sound system, a Mario sized speaker in each corner of the room with the cloth cover removed, so each woofer's cone is exposed and mightily throbbing. Stitts room is soundproofed. The window faces the center courts, the transom and observatory directly overhead and mangling the shadows of the court's lights. The window is right over the radiator, which, when the stereo is off, makes odd, hollow, ringing, clanky clunks, as if someone deep underground were having at the pipes with a hammer. The cold window over the radiator is steamed and trembles slightly with Wagnerian bass... Uh, Gerhard Stitt is asleep in the cane chair <laughs> in the middle of the empty room, <laughs> his head thrown back and arms hanging, hands treed with arteries, you can see his slow pulse in, his feet are stolidly on the floor, his knees sprayed way out wide, the way Stitt always has to sit on account of his Ver, ver-, ver- v-
0: Like varicose veins. Yeah.
1: His mouth is partly open and a dead pipe hangs at an alarming angle from its corner. (laughs) Mario records him sleeping for a little while, looking very old and white and frail, yet also obscenely fit. What's on and making the window shiver and condensed droplets gather and run in little bullet-headed lines down the glass is a duet that keeps climbing in pitch and emotion. A German second tenor and a German soprano are either very happy or very unhappy or both. Mario's ears are extremely sensitive. Stitt sleeps only amid excruciatingly loud European opera. He shared with Mario several different tales of grim childhood experiences at a BMW-sponsored, quality-control-orientated Austrian academia to account for his REM peculiarities. The soprano leaves the baritone and goes up to a high D and just hangs there, either shattered or ecstatic. Stitt doesn't stir, not even when Mario falls twice, <laughs> loudly, trying to get to the door with his hands over his ears. The community administration stairwells are narrow and no-nonsense. Red railings of cold iron, whose red is one coat of primer. Steps and walls of raw-colored rough cement. The sort of sandy echo in there that makes you take stairs as fast as possible. The salve makes a sucking sound. Uh, can you, uh, he bur- he burnt himself by leaning on a, a a stove or something. Oh yeah, um, that's the salve.
0: The salve.
1: The upper halls are empty. Low voices and lights from under the doors on the second floor. Twenty one hundred is still mandatory study period. There won't be serious movement till twenty two hundred when the girls will drift from room to room. Congregating, doing whatever packs of girls in robes and furry slippers do late at night until DeLint kills all the dormitory lights at the dorm's main breaker around 2300. Isolated movement, a door down the hall opens and shuts. The Vaught twins are heading down the hall to the bathroom at the far end, wearing only an enormous towel, one of their heads in curlers. One of the falls in Mr. Stitt's room had been on the burnt hip, and squunched salve from the bandage is starting to darken the corduroys at that side of the pelvis, though there is zero pain. Three tense voices behind Carol Spodek and Shoshana Abrams' door lists of degrees and focal lengths, a study group for Mr. Ogilvie's Reflections on Refraction exam tomorrow. A girl's voice from He Can't Tell Which Room says, Steep, hot beach sea, twice, very distinctly, and then is still. Mario is leaning back against a wall in the hallway, panning idly. Felicity's vague emerges from her door by the stairwell, carrying a soap dish and wearing a towel tied at that breast level, as if there were breasts, moving toward Mario on her way to the head. She puts her hands out straight at his head's camera, a kind of distant stiff arm as she passes. I'm wearing a towel. I understand, Mario says, (laughs) using his arms to turn himself around and pointing the lens at the bare wall. I'm wearing a towel. Brisk, controlled sounds of retching from behind Diane Prynne's door. Mario gets a couple seconds of swag hurrying away in the towel, tiny little bird steps looking terribly fragile. The stairwells smell like the cement they're made of. Behind 310, Ingersoll and Penn's door is the faint rubbery squeak of somebody moving around on crutches.
0: Would you do this whole segment as POV from the camera on the top of his head? That
1: would be cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love someone to uh, re- replicate a, he- a head-mounted uh, bolex.
0: Yeah. I also, you have to be...
1: think of everything as very... He's very short.
0: Yeah. That, yeah. The, so it's like... But I like, guess the, ta-
1: the helmet fl- might be tall.
0: Yeah. I guess like four foot tall with like a, probably another foot for the bolex on mm-hmm. top of the helmet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's how, how you do it.
1: Someone in 311 is yelling, Boner check! Boner check! <laughs> a lot of the third floor is for boys under 14. The hall carpet up here is ectoplasmically stained. The expanses of wall between doors hung with posters of professional players endorsing gear. Someone has drawn a goatee and fangs on an old Donne poster of Matt's Willander, and the poster of Gilbert Treffert is defaced with <laughs> anti-Canadian slurs. Otis Lord's door has infirmary next to his name on the door's name card. Penn's room's door's card's name also had infirmary. (laughs) Sounds of someone talking low to someone who's sobbing from Beak, Whale, and Virgilio's room, and Mario resists an impulse to knock. Lamont Chu's door next door is completely covered with magazines, action shots of matches. Mario is leaning back to get footage of the door when Lamont Chu exits the bathroom at this end in a terry robe and thongs and wet hair, literally whistling Dixie. Mario. Mario gets him bearing down, his calves hairless and muscular, hair water dripping onto his robe's shoulders with each step. Lamont Chu. What's happening? Nothing's happening. Chu stands just stands there or Chu stands there just within conversation range. He's only slightly taller than Mario. A door down the hall opens and a head sticks out and scans and then withdraws. Well, Chu squares his shoulders and looks into the camera atop Mario's head. You want me to say something for posterity? Sure. What should I say? You can say anything you want. Chu draws himself way up and looks penetrating. Mario checks the meter on his belt and uses the treadle to shorten the focal length and adjust the angle of the camera's lens slightly downward, right at Chu, and there are tiny grinding adjustment sounds from the bolex. Chu's still just standing there. I can't think what to say. That happens to me all the time. (laughs) The minute your invitation became official, my mind went blank. That can happen. There's just this staticky blank field in there now. I know just what you mean. They stand there silent, the camera's mechanism emitting a tiny whir. Mario says, you just got out of the shower, I can tell. (laughs) I was talking with good old Lyle downstairs. Lyle's terrific. I was just going to whip right over into the showers, but the locker room's got this, like, odor. It's always great to talk with good old Lyle. So I came up here. Everything you're saying is very good. Lamont Chu stands there a moment, looking at Mario, who's smiling, and Chu can tell wants to nod furiously, but can't, because he needs to keep the bolex steady. What I was doing, I was filling Lyle in on the Escaton debacle, telling him about the lack of hard info, the conflicted rumors that are going around, about how Kitten Plan and some of the big buds are going to get blamed, about disciplinary action for the buds. Lyle's just an outstanding person to go to with concerns. Mario says, <laughs> fighting not to nod furiously. I like
0: your uh, chipper Mario voice. I guess I in my I don't head, think he's spo- spoke. I don't think he spoke. The only
1: thing I remember is the conversation he had with Hal in the bedroom where he was asking yes. uh, his if his mom is sad. Uh,
0: I guess I always kind of pictured him as having like a Billy Quizboy voice.
1: Will you evoke the Billy Quiz Boy like uh, like my
0: my mother always called me her Oh Water Baby. <laughs> I can try to do that. Uh, well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to give you any direction.
1: Yeah, or you know, also it's a fine line of uh, this, this man yep. is a is a, a extremely um, uh, uh, differently able. <laughs> I, yeah. I also don't want to like give him a a I, voice to match.
0: <laughs> I know, but I feel like th- that's in that's in the description. Is that yeah? I
1: yeah. guess they never said what his voice sounds like. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Lord's head and pen's leg, the postman's broken nose. What's going to happen to the inkster? You're acting perfectly natural. This is very good. <laughs> I'm asking if you've heard from Hal what they're going to do, if he's in on the blame from Tavis. Pemulus and Kitten Plan, I can see, but I'm having trouble with the idea of Struck or your brother taking discipline for what happened out there. They were strictly from spectation for the whole thing. Kitten Plan's bud is Spodek, and she wasn't even out there. I'm getting all of this. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> this is honestly, this is, what, this is what I'm like when I direct stuff in video. Just like, this is
0: great. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Be natural. Yeah.
1: Chu is now looking at Mario, which for Mario is weird because he's looking through the viewfinder, a lens-eye view, which means when Chu looks down from the lens to look at Mario, it looks to Mario like he's looking down south somewhere along Mario's thorax. <laughs> Mario, I'm asking if Hal's told you what they're going to do to anybody. Is this what you're saying or are you asking me? <laughs> asking. Chu's face looks slightly oval and convex through the lens's fish eye, a jutting aspect. So what if I want to use this uh, so sorry. So what if I want to use this that you're saying for the documentary I've been asked to make? Jesus, Mario, use whatever you want. I'm just saying I have conscience trouble with the idea of how and Trolch, and Struck didn't even seem like he was conscious for the debacle itself. I should tell you I feel like we're really that that we're getting the totally real Lamont chew here. <laughs> Mario, camera to one side, I'm standing here dripping, asking you for Hal's impressions of when Tavis called them in, as in, did he give you impressions? Van Vleck at lunch said yesterday he saw Pemulus and Hal coming out of Tavis's office with the association urine guy holding them both by the ear. Van Vleck said Hal's face was the color of kopectate. Mario directs the lens at Chu's shower thongs so he can look over the viewfinder at Chew. Are you saying this, or is this what happened? That's what I'm asking you, Mario, if Hal told you what happened. I follow what you're saying.
0: This is like a who's on first yeah. routine.
1: So you asked whether I was asking, and I'm asking you about it. Mario zooms in very tight. Choose complexion is a kind of creamy green with not one follicle in view. Lamont, I'm going to find you and tell you whatever Hal tells me. This is so good. <laughs> so then you haven't talked to Hal? When? Jesus, Mario, it's like talking to rock with you sometimes. This is going very well. <laughs> Someone gargling. Guglielmo Redondo's voice going through the rosary, it sounds like, just inside his and Esteban Reynas' door. The Clipperton suite in East House had had a bright yellow strip of BPD plastic for over a month, he remembers. The boys' room door, a different kind of wood than the room doors. The Clipperton suite had a glued picture of Ross Reed pretending to kiss Clipperton's ring at the net. The roar of a toilet and a stall door's squeak. The academy's plumbing is high pressure. It takes Mario longer to walk down a set of stairs than to walk up. Red primer stains his hand. He has to hold the railing so tight. The special hush of lobby carpet and smells of Benson and Hedges brand cigarettes in the reception area off the lobby. The little hall doors that are always closed and never locked. The rubber sheets on the knobs. Benson and Hedges cost five sixty. dollars a pack at Father and Son Grocery down the hill. Lateral Alice's moors, desks, plaques, danger third rail light is unilluminated, and her word processing setup wears its cover of frosted plastic. The blue chairs have the faint imprints of people's bottoms. The waiting room is empty and dim. Some light from the lit courts outside. From under double doors is lamplight, much attenuated by double doors, from the headmaster's office, which Mario doesn't explore. Tavis is unnerved into such gregarity around Mario, it's <laughs> awkward for all parties. Which takes us to end 3.16. Like E.G., the time CT and the moms would come out to Logan to pick Mario and himself up from a filming trip, Mario lugging gear, himself damp and pasty from the cabin pressure and not enough leg room, and his sport coat pockets always clicking with little plastic bottles with unopenable caps, And in the car up to Enfield, Mario's uncle would keep up an opheliac mad monologue of chatter that would get himself poor teeth grinding so bad that when they pulled over to the breakdown lane and Mario came around to open the door and let himself lean out and be ill, there'd be grit in the throw up that came out. White dental visible grit from all the grinding. Lord almighty. Back to the text. If you asked Mario whether he got on with his uncle CT, he'd say... Sure. <laughs> the Bolex's light meter is in the no way range. Most of the waiting areas available light comes from the doorless dean of females' offices, office, meaning the mom's is in. Heavy shag carpet is especially treacherous for Mario when he's top heavy with equipment. Avril and Condenza, a fiend for light, has the whole bank of overheads going, two torchers and some desk lamps, and a b cigarette on fire in the big clay ashtray Mario'd made her at Ringe and Latin school. Aww. She has swiveled around. That's a a cultural thing that's gone now. The idea of your kid making a clay ashtray ashtray. That you like have to use.
0: I think I made like a pot holder or something.
1: I don't think I've ever made an ashtray. Mug. Mug? Little yeah, like just a little Um, pot. Pinch pot. Uh, she has swiveled around in her swivel chair, facing out the big window behind her desk, listening to someone on the phone, holding the transmitter violin-style under her chin and holding up a stapler, checking its load. <laughs> oh, that's a fun thing. Her desk has what looks like a skyline of stacks of file folders and books in neat cross-hatched, cross-hatched stacks. Nothing teeters. The open book on top facing Mario is Doughty, Wall, and Peter's seminal Introduction to Montague's Semantics, takes us to EndNote 317. Copyright BS 1981, Routledge and Keegan Paul, PLC, London, UK. Wildly expensive hardcover, not on disc. Back to the text. Which has very fascinating illustrations that Mario doesn't look at this time, trying to film the cock of the mom's head and the phone's extended antenna against the cumulus of her hair from behind, capturing her back unawares. But the sound of Mario entering even a shag-carpeted room is unmistakable. Plus, she can see his reflection in the window. Mario! Her arms go up in a V, stapler open in one hand, facing the window. The moms! (laughs) It's a good 10 meters past the seminar table and viewer and portable blackboard to the far part of the office where the desk is, and each step on the deep shag is precarious, Mario resembling a very old, brittle bone man or someone carrying a load of breakables down a slick hill. (laughs) Hello! She's addressing his reflection in the quartered window, watching him put the treadle down carefully on the desk and struggle with the pack on his back. "'Not you,' she tells the phone. She points the stapler at the image of the bolex on the image of his head. "'Are we on air?' Mario laughs. "'Would you like to be?' She tells the phone she's still here, that Mario's come in. "'I don't want to interrupt your call— "'sorry, intercept your call. "'Don't be absurd.' She talks past the phone at the window." She rotates her swivel chair to face Mario, the receiver's antenna describing a half-moon and now pointing up at the window behind her. There are two blue chairs, like the reception area chairs, in front of her desk. She doesn't indicate to Mario to sit. Mario's most comfortable standing and leaning into the support of the police lock he's trying to detach from his canvas plastron and lower, shucking the pack off his back at the same time. Avril looks at him like the sort of stellar mother where just looking at her kid gives her joy. She doesn't offer to help him get the lock's lead uh, lead brace out of the pack because she knows he'd feel completely comfortable asking for her help if he needed it. It's like she feels these two sons are the people in her life with whom so little important needs to be said that she loves it. The bolex and support yoke and viewfinder over his forehead and eyes give Mario an underwater look. His movements, setting and bracing his police lock, are at once graceless and deft. (laughs) The lit center courts, now empty, are visible out the left side of Avril's window, and if you lean far forward and look. Someone has forgotten a gear bag and pile of sticks out by the net post of court 17. Silences between them are totally comfortable. Mario can't tell if the person on the phone is still talking, or if Avril just hasn't put the dead phone down. She still holds the black stapler. Its jaws are open, and it looks alligator-ish in her hand. Is this you passing through the neighborhood poking a head in to say Hello? Or am I a subject tonight? You can be a subject, moms. He moves the big head around in a weary circle. I get tired from wearing this. It gets heavy. I've held it. It's good. I remember his making that. He took such care making that. It's the last time I believe he enjoyed himself on something thoroughly. It's terrific. He took weeks putting everything together. He likes to look at her, too, leaning in and letting her know he likes looking. They are the two least embarrassable people either of them knows. She's rarely here this late. She has a big study at the HMH. The only thing that ever shows she's tired is that her hair gets a sort of huge white cowlick, like a rolling ocean comber of hair, and just on one side, the side with the phone, sticking up and touching the antenna. Her hair has been pure white since Mario can first remember seeing her, looking down at him through the incubator's glass. Oh. I like that this is suggesting that Mario has infant memories or that he was in an incubator incubator, for a long time
0: into his conscious memory.
1: Yeah. Uh, Pictures of her own father's hair were like that. It goes down the middle of her back against the chair and down both arms, hanging off the arms near the elbow. It's part shows her pink scalp. She keeps the hair very clean and well combed. She has one of Mr. Delint's big whistles around her neck. (laughs) The big cowlick casts a bent shadow on the sill of the window there's a maple leaf flag and a 50-star USA flag hanging limp-off brass poles on either side of the window. In an extreme corner are fleur-de-lis pennons on tall, sharp, polished sticks. CT's flag has an Onan flag and a 49-star USA flag. Which takes us to uh, 318. Maine having been lost altogether, recall. <laughs> We're living in a uh uh country. Back to the text.
0: Well... Yeah. So... Are these things with the concavity? I, I thought that that happened after the unification uh, of Onin, mm. in which they ha- have described that there is a new flag of Onin, right? Mm-hmm. So when would the forty ninth s- nine star U.S. flag have been issued?
1: Did they lose it to like j- just the um, the nuclear like fallout, like? You know how there there was there was waste dumping and like problems. I don't know. I'd have to <laughs> yeah, I I'd have to look that somebody, back up. Somebody
0: link us the lore book of Onan.
1: Or do you think the forty nine star USA flag is like purposefully USA? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Of being like, well, you know, we're Onan, but I'm proud to be an American.
0: Yeah. Well, I wonder if there are in Onan if there still are issued autonomous regional ma- uh yeah uh flags. Yeah. You know, like there are state flags. Right, exactly. Like the beautiful pennant of Ohio.
1: I, I can't cue it up from memory. Do you have? Do what? Is, what does the Ohio flag look like? It's a pennant. It's a pennant, yeah. but what? But what color was on it? It
0: looks like the, it's the same colors as the American flag. It's red, white, and blue. Mm. Uh, it is Boring, triangular, edgy. red, red, and white stripes, and then like a blue bullseye. Okay, uh, blue and white. We get one? I would love to get one. I'm, I whatever, had a Vermont oh, flag
1: oh. in my um, college dorm. Let's uh, get
0: a let's get a Vermont flag and an Ohio flag.
1: It was honestly probably one of the first Amazon purchases I made, if I can recall. Vermont flag. Anyway, uh, I had quality interface dialogue with Lamont Chu upstairs. <laughs> But I made the girl Felicity, the really thin one. She got upset. She said, only a towel. (laughs) Felicity will be just fine. So you're just strolling. Peripatetic footage. She refuses to adjust syntax to speak in any way down to him. It'd be beneath him, though he seems not to mind when most people do it. Speak down. Nor will she ask about the burn on his pelvis unless he brings it up. She's careful to keep her ore out of Mario's health stuff unless he brings things up out of concern that it might be taken as intrusive or smothering. I saw your lights. Why is the mom's here still, I thought to myself. She made as if to clutch her head. Don't ask. I'll start whinging. Tomorrow is going to be hellishly busy. Mario didn't hear her say goodbye to the man as she put down the phone, so the antenna now points at Mario's chest. She's putting out the nub of the Benson and Hedge against the rooster comb holder he'd squeezed and karate chopped and put down the bowl's center when he made it, after she'd said she'd wanted it to be an ashtray. Or she'd wanted it to be an ashtray. You give me such pleasure standing there, all outfitted for work, she said. A prowl. She ground individual sparks out in the bowl. She had the idea that her smoking around Mario made him worry, though he'd never said anything about it one way or the other. "'I have a breakfast engagement at 07, "'which means I have to do final swatting and whacking "'of her morning classes now, "'so I just lurched back over here to do it "'instead of carrying everything back and forth. "'Aren't you tired?' "'She just smiled at him. "'This is off,' pointing at his head. "'I turned it off. "'To look at them, you'd never guess "'these two persons were related, "'one sitting and one standing, canted forward. "'Will you eat with us? "'I hadn't even thought of dinner until I saw you. "'I don't even know what there might be for dinner.' Many wonders, which takes us to end note 319. Uh, incondenza family for idiom for leftovers. <laughs> uh, back to the text. Turkey cartilage. Your bag is by the radio. Will you stay again? Charles is still in conference, I believe, he said. About the de with the eschaton and the postman's nose. A person from a magazine has come to do a piece of reportage on your brother. Charles is speaking to her in lieu of any of the students. You may speak to her about Oren if you like. She's been a prowl for Hal, Ortho said. Avril has a certain way of cocking her fine head at him. Your poor Uncle Charles has been with Thierry, Thierry and this magazine person since this afternoon. Have you talked to him? I've been trying to buttonhole your brother. He's not in your room. The pemulous person was see, seen by Mary Esther taking their truck before study period. Is Hal with him, Mario? I haven't seen Hal since lunchtime. He said he'd had a tooth thing. I didn't even find out. I didn't even find out he'd been to see Zegarelli until today. He asked about how the burn on my pelvis is, which I won't ask about unless you'd care to discuss how it's coming along. It's fine. Plus, Hal said he wishes I'd come back and sleep there. I left two messages asking him to let me know how the tooth was. Lovo, I feel bad I wasn't there for him. Hal and his teeth. Did CT tell you what happened? Was he upset? Was that CT on the phone you were with? Mario can't see why the moms would call CT on the phone when he was in there right across the hall behind his doors. When she didn't smoke a lot of the time, she held a pen in her mouth. Mario didn't know why. Her college mug has about a 100 blue pens in it on the desk. She likes to square herself in her chair, sitting up extra straight and grasping the chair's arms in a commanding posture. She looks like something Mario can't place when she does this. He keeps thinking the word typhoon. He knows she's not trying to consciously be commanding with him. How was your own day, I'd want to hear. Hey, moms? I determined years ago that my position needs to be that I trust my children and I never traffic in third-party hearsay when the lines of communication with my children are as open and judgment-free as unfortunate they are. That seems like a really good position. Hey, moms? <laughs> so I have no problem waiting to hear about eschaton, teeth, and urine from your brother who will come to me the moment it's appropriate for him to come to me. Hey, moms? I'm right here, Lovo. Tycoon is the term her commanding way of sitting suggests, grasping her chair, a pen clamped in her teeth like a businessman's cigar. There were other carpet prints in the heavy shag. Moms? Yes. Can I ask you a thing? Please do. This is off, again indicating the silent apparatus on his head. Is this a confidential thing, then? There isn't any secret. My day was, I was wondering about something in my mind. I'm right here for you anytime, day or night, Mario, as you are for me, as I am for Hal, and we all are for each other. She gestures in a hard-to-describe way. Right here. Moms, I am right here with my attention completely focused on you. How can you tell if somebody's sad? A quick smile. You mean whether someone's sad. A smile back, but still earnest. That improves it a lot. Whether someone's sad. How can you tell? So it, uh, how can you tell? So you're sure? Her teeth are not discolored. She gets them cleaned at the dentist all the time for the smoking, a habit she despises. Hal inherited the dental problems from himself. Himself had horrible dental problems. Half his teeth were bridges. You're not exactly insensitive when it comes to people, Lovo. She says. What if you like only suspect someone sad? How do you reinforce the suspicion? <laughs> Confirm the suspicion. In your mind, some of the prints in the deep shag he can see are shoes, and some are different, almost like knuckles. His lordotic posture makes him acute and observant about things like carpet prints. Do you remember why there might be shoe and knuckle prints yes. in the shag carpet? I do.
0: <clears throat> the, from uh, football, practice. F- football practice, yes.
1: How would I, for my part, confirm a suspicion of sadness in someone, you mean? Yes, good, all right. Well, the person in question may cry, sob, weep, or in certain cultures wail, keen, or rend his or her garments. Mario nods encouragingly, so the headgear clanks a little. But say, in a case where they don't, don't weep or rend, but you still have a suspicion which they're sad. She uses a hand to rotate the pen in her mouth like a fine cigar. He or she might alternatively sigh, mope, frown, smile half-heartedly, appear <laughs> downcast, slump, Look at the floor more than is appropriate. But what if they don't? Well, he or she may act out by seeming distracted, losing enthusiasm for previous interests. The person may present with what appears to be laziness, lethargy, fatigue, sluggishness, a certain passive reluctance to engage you, torpor. What else? They may seem unusually subdued, quiet, literally low. Mario leans all his weight into his police lock, which makes his head jut, his expression the sort of mangled one that expresses puzzlement, an attempt to reason out something hard. Pemulus called it Mario's data search face, which Mario (laughs) liked. uh, What if sometime they might act even less low than normal, but still these suspicions are in your mind? She's about the same height sitting as Mario upright and leaning forward. Now neither of them is quite looking at the other, both just a couple of degrees off. Avril taps the pen against her front teeth. Her phone light is blinking, but there's no ringing. The thing's handset's antenna still points at Mario. Her hands are not her age. She hoists the executive chair back slightly to cross her legs. Would you feel comfortable telling me whether we're discussing a particular person? Hey, moms? (laughs) Is there someone specific in whom you're intuiting sadness? Moms? Is this about Hal? Is Hal sad and for some reason not yet able to speak about it? I'm just saying how to be generally sure. And you have no idea where he is or whether he left the grounds this evening sad? Lunch today was the exact same as lunch yesterday. Pasta with tuna and garlic and thick weedy bread and required salad and milk or juice and Mm, pears and juice. Required salad. Required salad. Pears and juice in a dish.
0: Ooh, I love the the pears and juice from a can. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Pears in the syrup. Fruit,
1: uh fruit cocktail
0: fruit cocktail in syrup Ooh, that's a that's a good taste with like this oh. with the two little halves of cherry that was the best part yeah save it for well, last that's why you only got two of the, yeah. you the least yeah cherry was always is always the uh dole yeah dole,
1: dole fruit cocktail
0: mm, fruit cup
1: fruit um, cup yam, yeah what if fruit but and uh hermetically sealed uh, Mrs. Clark had taken a sick morning off because when she came in this morning, Pemulus at lunch said one of the breakfast girls had said there had been brooms on the wall in an X of brooms out of nowhere on the wall when she'd come in very early to fire up the Wheatina, Wheatina cauldron. <laughs> and nobody knowing how the brooms were there or why or who glued them on had upset Mrs. Clark's nerves, who'd been with the incondenses since long before ETA and had nerves. Uh, how are we doing on
0: time? We're at like 33. I would say get through um, 65.
1: Okay, that sounds good. We been finished that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see Hal since lunchtime. He had an apple he cut into chunks and put peanut butter on instead of pears with juice. <laughs> Avril nods with vigor. Lamont didn't know either. Mr. Shtit is asleep in his chair in his room. Hey, moms? Avril and Condenza can switch a bick from one side of her mouth to the other without using her hand. She never knows she's doing it when she's doing it whether or not we're discussing anyone in particular, then. Mario smiles at her. Hypothetically, then, you might be picking up in someone a certain very strange type of sadness that appears as a kind of dissociation from itself, maybe, Lovo. I I don't know disassociation. Well, love, but you know the idiom, not yourself. He's not himself today, for example, crooking and uncrooking fingers to form quotes on either side of what she says, which Mario adores. There are, apparently... Persons who are deeply afraid of their own emotions, particularly the painful ones. Grief, regret, sadness. Sadness especially, perhaps. Dolores describes these persons as afraid of obliteration, emotional engulfment. As if something truly and thoroughly felt would have no end or bottom, would become infinite and engulf them. Engulf means obliterate? I'm saying that such persons usually have a very fragile sense of themselves as persons as existing at all. This interpretation is existential, Mario, which means vague and slightly flaky, but I think it may hold true in certain cases. My own father told stories of his own father, whose potato farm had been in St. Pomphile and very much larger than my father's. My grandfather had had a marvelous harvest one season, and he wanted to invest money. This was in the early 1920s, when there was a great deal of money to be made on upstart companies and new American products. He apparently narrowed the field to two choices, Delaware brand punch or an obscure sweet fizzy coffee substitute that sold out of pharmacy soda fountains and was rumored to contain smidgens of cocaine, which was the subject of much controversy in those days. My father's father chose Delaware punch, which apparently tasted like rancid cranberry juice and the manufacturer of which folded. And then his next two potato harvests were decimated by blight, resulting in the forced sale of his farm. Coca-Cola is now Coca-Cola. My father said his father showed very little emotion or anger or sadness about this, though, that he somehow couldn't. My father said his father was frozen and could feel emotion only when he was drunk. He would apparently get drunk four times a year, weep about his life, (laughs) throw my father through the living room window, and disappear for several days, roaming the countryside of Lile province, drunk and enraged. (laughs) You stop.
0: (laughs) Uh... Yeah, do you want to stop there? Yeah. That's a good pl- place to stop. How yeah. much longer is this segment?
1: Um, Long, yeah. long enough. Long enough. Uh, we can finish it next time.
0: I'm interested in the theme of this segment of uh, mediated conversation, talking past each other. Talking past each other. Uh, literally talking through a camera mm-hmm. Uh, to Mario, uh, the part with his mom uh with Avril on the phone while he's talking to her.
1: Yeah, and that she hasn't hung up the phone. Yes. And that she's like at her desk and he's standing.
0: Yeah. And that he has to be clear whether the camera is on or off and then when they do have a conversation it is a conversation basically about em- empathy mm-hmm, or yeah. about understanding other people's emotions.
1: Yeah. Also, the irony here is, of course, Mario's asking how can you tell someone's sad mm-hmm. when he probably sees something that nobody else does in Hal. Yes. Assuming he's asking about Hal. He yes. also could be asking about Avril because remember that conversation mm-hmm. that he had with um, Hal where he's like, "Does is our mom sad? Yeah. And Hal gives the uh, example of like, you know, there's, there's two ways to... Uh, a lower flag to half mass. One is to pull the flag down and one is to double the, uh, the flagpole to twice its height, <laughs> which again is an oblique conversation. Yeah. Uh, but M- Mario is a, I, I think every, everyone thinks that Mario doesn't like get it, but I think he is a very empathetic person. Yes.
0: No, I mean, it is, it is a fascinating character. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 I the implication seems to be that because of his physical deformities, everybody assumes that he has like some kind of mental deficiency. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I thought, you know, that, that thing that we just read about how he and, uh, the dads could, or, uh, himself could actually get along because <laughs> he just, he didn't have any of the, uh, the like parent child baggage. He just really liked film.
1: Yeah. They just work. <laughs> they just work together. together. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah. He just seems like a, he has a kind of straightforward intu- in- Intuition. Yeah. That uh, people might assume is simplicity, but it seems more just like he doesn't have as much baggage as other people.
1: Yeah. Or or rather is, I think, more naturally accepting of everyone. Yeah.
0: Intuitive. Empathetic. Yeah.
1: (laughs) This is great. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Uh, Also,
1: I I forgot to flag, but I I think it's important to note that conversation with Lamont Chu. mm -hmm. Lamont Chu is the guy who went to, um, I believe, Lyle being like I want to be famous so bad. I I want to be on oh, yeah, yeah. magazine covers and like in, you know, tennis weekly or monthly. Oh yeah. And Lyle's like, you know, fame is not you you can't you don't want to do anything for fame. Yeah. And then the fact that to just like completely free like he's getting like excited about getting interviewed and then he
0: completely he freezes, freezes. Up. Yeah, that's that's funny. Um It's funny I, I know exactly what you're saying whenever you're like doing an interview with a camera that you know i think both of us have that impulse of being like oh i am like impo- even though it is my job to like get footage i'm like imposing on somebody so it's like yeah like whatever you'll, you'll give me is fine and i can figure this out later in the edit but it, it i that's the difference between <laughs> adequate directing and good directing which is uh being the harsh taskmaster yeah. of your subject and, yeah. and instructing them what to te- yeah. tell you telling you what to do i do and yeah. if you are irritating too bad because you are making yeah. a film. Yeah. And the product will speak for itself.
1: Well, you know, I haven't a uh, um I haven't directed anything uh mm-hmm. fi- fi- fictional uh yes. in that way, but at least as a documentary and my my thing is always, you know, just uh what whatever you're saying is great and I don't like, you know, I've I've worked on censors where people like ask for like fake things or like yeah. can you say this again but say this. And it never to me it never turns out as good. I think the most naturalistic uh response or thing is always the best. Yeah. That's my that is my directorial I mean, is uh yeah. thing.
0: It is important to uh <laughs> just like the app be real yeah. and have fun. Yeah. You you're going to sense that people are comfortable on uh on camera. Yeah. It is funny uh despite the fact that he is basically undirectable and uh <laughs> unstoppable whenever we log on to a uh, interview slava zizek uh <laughs> before we start recording he is like and he will this be a and i'm like yes i will take care of it. he's like you will be my slave master and i will be your slave <laughs> you can tell me what to do and i will do it <laughs> like, okay, and then you proceed to ask him one question and he talks uninterrupted like, for 60 minutes yeah
1: what a gift <laughs> yeah i know did you find him hard to edit
0: uh or I mean those those episodes are funny. He's just like such a funny a funny big personality. They're not really interviews as much as just like and here we have Slavoj. Okay, Slavoj, go off. Take it away.
1: <laughs> go off, king. He should start a podcast called Go Off Go Off King. Well,
0: there's already the Go Off Kings. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah, they do like video game and live stream stuff.
1: This tennis person that we're watching right now is kind of a cutie. Yeah. He's got a mustache.
0: Uh, speaking of... Wait, o- Paul, it's Paul versus Ru- Rude. Rude. Paul, Paul Rudd. Paul Rude. R-U-U-D. That guy must be Dutch. Nor- He's Nor- Norwegian. Norwegian. Ah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of be- being real and interviews and uh, intrinsic empathy and stuff like that, uh, we just watched Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, oh, The Metal Years. Oh, my
1: God. Uh, it's and that so is, good.
0: That is one of those documentaries where you kind of ca- uh, can't believe that they got people to be that real on yeah. camera, yeah, uh, which is, which is always interesting. Yeah. Um, but no, I every,
1: think... everyone they got to, everyone she got to talk on, mm. on camera is like, just
0: incredible. Yeah. But I think it comes from the, um, I mean, it comes from, from that all those people are hair metal people, mm-hmm. which is the biggest thing at the time. And they all want to be famous. And so they are all very willing to talk about themselves in grandiose terms because they understand that in, in that milieu, the way to be famous is to be like a big personality.
1: Yeah. And they all specifically moved to LA to be, be a star of some kind. So they've got the, they've got the fever. One thing to point out about that is that everyone in that documentary spoke incredibly fast and animatedly. I assume because, uh, cocaine and speed were often on the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel like we are in the the period period of time that I think we're maybe just getting out of was so unbelievably zanned out like so boring like yes. imagine a decline of Western civilization part four and it's SoundCloud rappers oh my god and just everyone being like I don't know man like I got I got something to say just and I'm to make my art. No, you know uh, not no one else is like me I'm one of one you yeah. know what I'm saying like. I'm I'm so uh, oh I mean clearly as a I'm a, a podcaster who's constantly speaking quickly. We love to talk. We love to gab. I'm uh, we we need a speed we need a speed period. We're coming out of oh yeah, a need- um a uh benzo and ketamine period yes. and we need a cocaine and speed period. We need
0: fast, excited, enthusiastic people.
1: Yeah, I want to see Show show a little life out there, you know yeah, what I'm saying. Show,
0: show some enthusiasm, sweetie.
1: One one other thing I wanted to point out from the reading specifically yes. is that the passage about just like him walking through the dorm
0: halls mm-hmm.
1: really made me miss dorm life. I know. I loved living in a dorm. I know. The, There's something so communal yet kind of lonely about it.
0: Yes, I love all the little details of a head stuck out of a head
1: stuck out of a. Heads stuck you know. out of a I w- I very fondly remember with what, especially when I got my first uh, single room. Of course, I was an RA, so mm. that came with its own problems. But my own little room,
0: a room of one own, uh, one's own,
1: in in my dorm to decorate as I please, and I have my little dorm fridge. <laughs> <laughs> and my little, uh, you know, my, my papers and my, my computer. Yes. Oh, it's the best. One of those
0: little gooseneck lamps that has like five little lamps coming out. I did out have of one of those. Yes. yes I had no, yes.
1: no sense of, I'm sure dorms are decorated so much. Cooler now, like it's funny how TikTok made people realize that like having colored lights, yes, like light bulbs is fun and nice.
0: Oh my god, I really would have fucked up the scene if I had a Philips Hue in two thousand and six. A
1: blue, a Bluetooth, uh, multicolored LED light. Can you imagine? Oh, talk of the town. Uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would have had a whole system going. Some LED light strips Strips. behind my desk. Yes,
1: I did. I do this. Um, so I think this was. Did, did I get, like, a Pottery Barn catalog? I got. Oh, no, it was, it was like, an email, a newsletter from, like, a New York Magazine, The Strategist, sure, or whatever, yeah, yeah. and it was, like, back-to-school stuff, mm-hmm. and I looked at it just to see, like, what the kids were dealing with these days. Did you know that there is college bedding, like, the extra-long uh, sheets that has a cell phone pocket in it wow. so you can stick your little cell phone, you can tuck it in the side Aww, of your mattress? That's funny. I was like, oh, Damn. I didn't even, I mean, yeah. I did have a cell phone, but there's, it certainly wasn't worth keeping near my bed.
0: Did you have the Jersey cotton, uh, bed sheets? I did,
1: uh, that, uh, I definitely didn't launder enough and always rode up and f- flapped over, uh, mm. uh, the corners of my like pa- paper mattress, <laughs> Sh-
0: shower sandals,
1: shower sandals, the shower caddy. Yes. Um, we had a good, did you have a big group shower?
0: uh i mean we had individual showers in a big room yeah uh
1: we i was lucky our college had suite style living so we had a bathroom that we only had to share with um, like four or five other five people. five people total
0: i mean we had like each our dorm was arranged into like little suites of i think five rooms of two so it was like 10 person mm-hmm. 10 people to a bathroom that had i think three shower stalls in okay it. uh still fairly institutional but you know it was fine yeah
1: Kind of kind of vulnerable, yeah you know anyway, I, I didn't have to do the thing where you like walk down a hall in in your towel with your shower caddy. i, I got I just walked over to two feet to the bathroom
0: I did have oh well, I did have to do that, but fortunately, I was mostly right across from the uh the shower. <laughs> I only remember my shower my first year in my dorm. I don't remember the second year at all like, mm. what where its location was and like mm. how it was set up.
1: Uh, uh, what po- did, did I ask? What posters you had in your college dorm?
0: I had the, of course, the Pulp Fiction. I Me think too. I had the, the we the did, did we talk Dead. about this? Um, I don't know if we did. I had the I had the Pulp Fiction. Of course, uh, I believe I had the Evil Dead one where uh, he's coming at you with a chainsaw. Okay. The Bruce Campbell. Uh, I forget what else. A Fear and Loathing pol- poster. Nice. I Nice.
1: I got actually, I got a death proof poster too by my junior year. Nice. So it's going extremely ham on the, on the QT. On the QT.
0: Well, you got to. Oh,
1: a lot of like, um. I, I used to buy posters when I went to see my twee little rock bands. Like I had like a The Format poster, <laughs> like probably a Bright Eyes. A, a, a Rilo Kiley. Yeah, Rilo Kylie. Yeah.
0: I think we had a Weezer poster for my roommate. Oh, man. Um, what a time. Yes. Uh, anything else? <laughs>
1: I would. I would like to go stay in a dorm for a night. Uh. <laughs> there should be a hotel, a, a, a dorm, dorm style, hotel. a dorm style hotel that has a um um a, a, a wait with dining hall. A
0: dining hall. Um. Well, you know what you're talking about. You wanna, we we want You want to go on a cruise.
1: I do. I really do. Yeah, I think it's a supposedly it. fun thing that I would like to do <laughs>
0: for the first time. When we're finished re- reading this book, we can do the supposedly fun thing.
1: Should I pitch to Harper's as a um, a David Foster Wallace uh, fan a- and a woman? What if I re What if I redid uh, a supposedly a, fun thing? A supposedly fun thing, and thought sees s- if I see if it's as supposedly fun as yes. it as it used to be. The other my other pitch for a book which I actually think would be extremely funny would be to do Chuck Klosterman's killing yourself to live uh-huh. road trip but again as a woman
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> killing yourself to live as a woman <laughs> we ne- f- you know how they do like female reboots of movies like mm. it's like ladies ocean oceans 11 now you just need to pitch what do female ver- female versions of novels
1: yeah or just f- female versions of like male rock critic books uh,
0: Ulysses but it's a woman
1: what what <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would argue that Ulysses is is a woman. Uh the that, that that uh that book is female tendencies despite <laughs> being entirely about like uh jacking off, jacking and, off like, and like hanging out with your friends and uh getting drunk and, and feeling yeah. sad and going to a funeral and uh not having any money and all that kinds of stuff. <laughs> it's still female tendencies. Yes. Cuz he's obsessed with his chick. All all he wants to do.
0: Uh, <laughs> all right, should we log off? Are we have to go see 3,000 years of longing we have to go see a movie about a genie yeah we have to go see the hot genie movie yeah uh, alright well this has been Infinite Cast usually we like to try to get a full chapter in but we've got to break off a half one I here. still think we got like 10 pages oh so. yeah got a solid 10 we're up to th- 765 my god it's crazy so so close who would have thought nobody nobody would have thought that we would have kept up this project but that is the curse and Molly guarantee we I'm, never never quit never, never stop. never stop All right. So, bye. Bye.